Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to this week's edition of the Digital Shop Talk Radio. My name is Tom Dorsey. I'm coming at you on location from Atlanta, Georgia in the mobile Digital Shop Talk Radio studio. And today we've got a great show for you. I know I say that every week because that's what I do. And uh, get a pencil, get a piece of paper. You're going to want to take notes. We're going to be talking about how to build high power service advisor teams up at the front counter there. And I got some, I got the master of culture building. Russ Crosby, you all know him from a couple different episodes he's been on with us, dropping knowledge and insights uh, on, you know, he's the guy with the book club, right? So, so you need, you know that uh, that he's going to be giving us some solid insights on how to build that, uh, you know, strong team up at the front counter. And then, of course, uh, a frequent guest on Digital Shop Talk Radio, Frank Scandura from Frank's European in Las Vegas. We're, we're uh, happy to have you back, Frank. Thank you, Russ, sir. welcome, guys. Thank you. So let's talk about it. So, you know, stuff has changed, right? I mean, that's the bottom line is back in the day, the guy at the counter was probably a master tech and he was just kind of his back hurt from bending over the fender for 30 years. And that you needed to have that level of a guy up at the front uh, to be able to um, take the technician's information and convey it to the customer and order the right parts and, and get all of that, you know, ducks in, in a row. But times have changed. And so what would you say, Russ, is is maybe your biggest criteria when you're looking to recruit a good service advisor or develop one? Well, I, uh, you know, it all starts with the personality and who they are as a person. So um, initially what happens is I'll have whether it's, uh, you know, whoever's whoever's looking for a job, you know, we have them talk with my wife first. So my wife will take the initial phone call interview because I want to see how they interact, whether it's a male or female advisor that's looking to to come on board. I want to see, you know, how they interact, um, especially now that I think women are uh, 70 percent or 70 or 80 percent of the buyers in the country. So I want to see how they react with my wife. And she has very standardized questions that we ask. And it's it has nothing to do with. Um, with really the automotive industry, it's more on who you are as a person. What are your goals? Do they have goals? Um, you know, wh- what are they looking to get out of coming to work with our team? And we kind of break them into some of the things that we do differently as a shop. And uh, you know, I have I, I just had a guy. It's his one year anniversary at my shop, um, and his uh, his name's Alex. And um, Alex came in for a job interview as a technician. I was looking for a, uh, you know, a general service technician and, and Alex came in with really um, no knowledge of the automotive industry other than what he's learned from his stepfather. Um, and uh, he came in looking to change careers and we got talking a little bit and I asked him, you know, where, where'd you come from? What do you, what'd you do? And uh, Alex actually worked for a, a um, supermarket chain called ShopRite. He was a, a dairy manager for uh, ShopRite for a number of years. And he was, um, you know, he was unhappy with the, the work environment and he, you know, he managed a bunch of people. He was younger than most of the people that worked for him and that didn't stop him. Um, but as we were talking, I really, I noticed, you know, this is not him coming into work as a technician is not going to be a fit for him, but the way that he presented himself and how he understands numbers and profit margins and different, different areas of all business I said, man, I could really use someone like this who understands the basic principles. Um, 
so we we got him involved with writing tickets and he was super green but i tell you what he is the go-to guy in the shop now for my whole team everybody respects him and you know and, and loves him he's got a great energy um you know and he's just he's just developed into a great person so and great he's really really great at his job um and you know that goes for um uh, Becky, she's one of my other service advisors, and she came from uh, she came from she worked for a, a bus industry, so she kind of, she had some knowledge writing tickets, um, but she was kind of more behind the scenes, and she was working for a golf course for a little while, and uh, we talked, and I saw she had a great personality. Everybody loves talking to her, um, and you know we had them we had them do something called the disc. They took a disc, which. Uh, you know, we want to see how their personalities are going to react with um, with our the rest of our team, and you know, uh, it was it was pretty cool to uh, to see how how that all came together. And basically, just keep your you know keep your options open. Don't just limit it to the automotive industry. There's a lot of industries out there where you can grab some great people and train them up. We could train the automotive industry, can't train them to be good people. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and that's brilliant. I told I see I told you, Russ comes right off the top rope with brilliance. Right in the opening session, right? Because if you remember back to the episode we do, did with Kathleen Jarosik and, and Kim Hickey, we were talking about women in the industry. What was one of the big, you know, kind of uh, perceptions or reactions that Kathleen would get? Hey, where's uh, somebody who can help me? Where, where's a guy that I can talk to that's going to know something, right? And what a brilliant thing to do to, to screen your potential staff is to have them interact with a female right off the bat and see if they even have that empathy. If they don't, Right out the back door because why waste your time right you need to have like russ said you know and sure he took it to the level of giving them the disc uh, uh profile and you know that's a another great idea because you know what we as you know as an auto vital shop as a digital shop data doesn't lie and when you can compile that data then you can make clear decisions and you get a good uh understanding of, of what you have to work with but uh, hey frank to you so would you say i mean where do you find a solid um service writer crop right where do you go hunting when you're looking to recruit and where have you found in your experience you're able to bring the uh kind of the best out because russ here had a great result right he developed somebody and it worked and it turned into a powerhouse employee how have you found in your experience where you like to uh where you like to hunt russ is uh right on so service industry is the key people who have that servant heart I want to serve. I want to help. And uh, honestly, the less they know about cars, the more successful they can be. And uh, Tom, you opened up with saying, you know, the days of the technician unlocking the door and setting up shop still happens a lot. But boy, a lot of these guys are faced with a rude awakening, right? Because sometimes the best technicians aren't the best service advisors. And that doesn't mean techs can't do it, right? If you guys are retiring and you think you want to get up on the front counter, learn what you need to learn. If you think you're going to go up there and explain to the customer everything that's going on, well, you know, I measured the uh, uh, run out of the wheel bearings and we're at 42 thousandths of an inch and that's why we need to do it, means nothing to a customer. So you really have to learn how to do it. Uh, so here's a true story. We hired a gal not long ago and, and we do a very long interview process, you know, and part of that process is how do they act in public. So we go out uh, when it's a gal, we go out to lunch. If it's a, a guy and a wife, then we'll go out to dinner. And the server was behind her and had a glass tip over on her tray. This gal turns around and lifts the glass up, right? 
Nobody said anything. That's her nature that caused her to do that. Okay, bang, ding, ding, ding. You're checking all the boxes. So that's the heart that people need because buying habits are different. Customers are different. Searching for information is different. We can't do things the way we've always done them. And so you need somebody who can relate. It's about relationships. Train, 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 learn, learn, learn. And then you that's, for me, been our secret to success. Yeah, you know, that, and that's a great point, right? Because, because I can come in and I can, you know, you don't know me and I can put on a, a good show and I can, you know, say the right things, but, but it's really hard to conceal who you are and how you lead your life and your actions. And, and, and like you said, your, your instinctive reactions in that case was were to help. And so therefore, you know, you're, 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 you have a high probability of being a very empathetic person because in my experience, empathy is, I think, one of the main criteria that a, a solid service advisor should have, right, is to, to understand that and the patience, right, is because not everybody has the same level of understanding and not everybody has the same need. And, and some people are insecure and some people are much more secure in their decision making process. But until you have established that profile on that customer, you really have to listen, right? You have to have the patience to listen. And so often we're so busy in the shop that, gosh, we just don't have time for that. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Give me an answer. And then, it, then the, the, the perception of the customer is, man, I don't know, I feel a little rushed and I felt overwhelmed and I felt pressure, right? And that's what we want to, to, to eliminate. So, so let me ask you guys this, once we find that profile of that guy, you know, I've got a coachable guy, he's got empathy, you know, positive attitude, he fits into the culture in the shop and the team and they love him. How do we get him to, from, from that kind of green state up to the state where, where Russ is done and, and the guy is the go-to guy in the shop. He's seen as the, the expert in there from both sides, right? From internally and externally with your customers. Um, what is that ramp up plan? So, Russ, since you, since you did it last, pick it up. All right. Um, so what we'd like to do is, um, you know, we, we have that writer sit alongside with my other writer so that they can learn the traits, learn auto vitals, learn the POS system and really understand what they're talking about. And to Frank's point before, um, you know, people that don't really have automotive knowledge sometimes make the best service advisors because they can interpret. If they can't understand what the technicians are saying, then how are they gonna sell it to the customer? So it, we, yeah. what was that? Well, exactly, 100%, that's dead on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, like Frank said, if, if we're trying to stand at the counter and tell a customer, you know, the run out on this bearing is this, it's like, it's like going to the doctors and having a doctor tell you all kinds of things that are going on with you. And you're kind of there with these big eyes and have no idea what's going on. You're just hoping that they're telling you what, what you need to hear. So we, we train our writers to, to make sure that they can understand and articulate back to the technicians. Hey, you need to break this down a little bit more. We need to be able to sell this a little, a little bit differently. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but if I can't understand it, how am I going to sell it? So um, using that along with some of our training techniques and different, different um, uh, sales techniques and understanding who your buyer is, is huge. We want to know 
you know, we want to train our, our riders to understand what the purpose is of this vehicle. Is this a vehicle that they use to commute every day back and forth to work? Is this a car that they take out on the weekends that they, they just love to rip on? Is this something that they're putting their whole family in to go cross country for a vacation? Yeah. You know, what are they looking to get out of this, out of the vehicle? But teaching the riders to understand what they're looking to get out of the vehicle is, is really important. And like Frank said, people that are in the service industry are about serving others. They, they're there to listen to what the needs are and then um, execute what we need to do to get that vehicle on the road and in the condition that they need it to be in. So, you know, that's by, by setting them up with a, with a service advisor, or if one's not available myself and teaching them to understand the buying personalities is pretty much the most important thing. Um, we can teach them how to understand like Alex, he already had a good understanding of numbers and using um, using the BCP from auto vitals really helps that because they can see exactly where we have dips and valleys and, and we can use those, those graphs and those numbers to coach them and see, you know, where they need to improve or how, how we can help empower them to, to do a better job. Um, but you know, if you have the right person, they're naturally going to want to do the better job. So yeah, yeah, um, of course. that that's a big part right there is, you know, them wanting to self-improve, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, so Frank, um, so if I, if I got a guy from outside of, of the industry, you know, fits up, fits the profile, great fit in the culture. Uh, but his job is to translate the technician's findings to the customer. How do I make that leap? Uh, what, what would I, I mean, give, give the audience, uh, some help on, on how can they get somebody, you know, with a great service background, but knows nothing about automotive. I mean, do they have to spend a lifetime at the at, at the front counter before they can? Not at all. It starts with people who can relate to people, right? So if you have an advisor who can relate to people, that means he can relate to the technician. And it's in, and just it's as simple as here. Explain it to me like I'm five. And then the tech gets an opportunity to say, okay, well what that means is, and then the advisor goes, oh, okay. They run up, and the next thing you know, the deal's done it never fails the people I put on the front counter with the least automotive experience has always done the best they don't know what they don't know exactly exactly and they have to figure out the translation they're like a kid right a kid figures out how to say I want ice cream yeah Yeah. (laughs) and we call it here affectionately translating technician to human right so and there's a little bit that gets done there it's a little bit of translation and um but it's really not that difficult to transition for those shop owners that are out there and those shop managers that are out there that are terrified to hire somebody that doesn't have a huge automotive background to take care of their customers really back off of that. It's That's not the answer. It's yeah. about relationships. People don't buy parts and pieces anymore. They don't buy brake pads and rotors. They buy trust. You have to establish the trust. You have to build rapport. You have to understand what they need. Russ nailed it, right? What, what are your plans with this car? And, well, the car is really very sentimental to me. My aunt gave it to me and I want to keep it forever. Okay, good. So I know that money is less important to you than this car. So now we can move forward. Well, if this car lasts me, you know, another six or eight months, that's great because I'm going to graduate college or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And then I could, and then great, this is what I need to know. And then we can help them prioritize their needs. So the more, you know, in automotive is not necessarily the answer in the front counter. I want people that can relate to humans. 
So, so, and then how does the digital inspection help with that translation? I mean, do you have best practices in place for like technician notes or video and picture policy that, that literally almost writes a script for the service writer to translate? I mean, that makes it so much easier on the writer, especially if they don't have that experience. If you have a technician that you, you know, can break down what's going on there and they're writing it in those pictures with arrows, the story tells itself, right? Um, most of the time people can see, hey, this is broken. I see that. What's going to happen if I don't fix it? Um, and that's where your advisor, training your advisor to talk with the technician and understand what the technician's saying really helps. You know, the, if, if you didn't have the, you know, that inspection software um, and weren't able to, to kind of hone in on those inspections like AutoVitals allows us to do, it would be a little more difficult for people to come in without that experience um, because they, they have a lot more explaining to do. But when we can put a picture and an arrow to what we're talking about, it really takes a lot of the questions out of the, the customer's mind because now they, you know, sometimes you can feel, you'll, you'll feel, um, you know, somebody that doesn't really have a lot of knowledge about the industry or they're new but when you see a report that has all of these things on there that are that are lighting up on them, this is good, this is bad. They don't have to try and go in depth and feel like they like they have to explain themselves on those issues. It kind of the story tells itself, like I said before. Now, what do you think, Frank? Yeah, exactly. We're educating the customer on their level now, right? Mm -hmm. Russ doesn't look old enough to remember the days when you used to call the customer up and say, "You've got to come down here and see this." And the guy would come down <laughs> and look up and go. I don't know what I'm looking at, whatever, right? And then we made it somehow, some way into taking a picture from a digital camera, figuring how to email that to the customer and getting that to them. And then it went from that to the telephone. Now, not only can we send them the digital inspection with the educational information, with the educational videos, with the details about their car, it just, and measure it, right? That's amazing. Sorry about all these uh, notifications, guys. And just it's just takes a lot of the uh, anxiety for the motorist out of the situation, right? And the writer, and the writer, and the writer. Sure, yeah, um, absolutely. We just got a five-star review this morning from a lady bragged about getting the pictures from Riley and what a great job she did showing me everything my car needed. Yeah, because. You know, that's got to be a critical success factor, factor, right, is I have to be confident in my job. And if I don't know anything, I'm not too confident. I'm like, oh, I think, let me, or let me, you know, one of the worst things is let me go ask somebody else. And eventually you're thinking to yourself, can you just go get the guy who knows stuff and have him come out here and help me, right? And so if you're always just the, the, the go-between, then that, you lose credibility from that perspective. And so it has to be empowering for the service writer to, to have that story like Russ was talking about delivered to him. And then I can feel confident in, in you know, educating the motorist that's in front of me. Let me speak to that real quick, right? So what you do is, you know, it, it's not the credibility with the customer that's damaged, it's the credibility with your employee. Yeah, that's sure. Damage when you intervene, when you jump in, because I've learned that it's better to wait until the situation's finished, done, no matter what the results are. But if the customer's not happy, it doesn't matter. What did we do wrong? How do we learn moving forward? It's more empowering to my team than jumping in the middle and second guessing them, right? Number one. Number two, I've also learned. So when I started Frank's in 18 years ago, which seems like more like 25 to life, 
it was me, one helper, one porter, and I did it all, right? So we've grown from that to where I have 18 employees now in a 12,000 square foot building. But when I first started put an advisor on for you rookies that are starting to hire these people and build these teams, people would demand to talk to me. Demand. Nope, only Frank can help me. Only, oh, only, nope, he's the only one. I'd get on the phone. Hey, can I bring my car in for an oil change? Hang on, let me get the advisor for you. And that's the way you do the transition. So uh, you have to give your team the power, the education, the training, the resources they need to succeed. Yeah, no, that's a good with Frank Moore on that. <laughs> I'm going, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fairly new business, you know, and uh, it's been a crazy transition for, for myself as I brought on service advisors. People were coming in and talking to me and, uh, you know, they wanted to talk to me. They wanted to talk to me on the phone. Like Frank said, every time that you jump in there and you stop them from doing their job, you're hurting them. You're, you're taking that credibility away from mm-hmm. your writer. And now the customer is going to come back looking to talk to you every single time. And that is a very hard habit to break. We all know that. Um, but for me, it's, it's weird now. And I'm sure it was for Frank too, when people are coming in and they don't even, you know, they don't, they don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> like people call and I'll answer the phone now and they think I'm a new employee. It's great. I love it. It is. Yeah. I, I've gotten it to the point where, um, when I do make it out to the front to introduce myself to a new customer, when I hear them interacting and I say, Hey, let me go out and introduce myself. Most of the time they'll say, wow, there really is a Frank. Love I get it. the same thing. <laughs> That's the best. What happens when you're a celebrity. <laughs> Quasi celebrity. for my stuff. You are an author. <laughs> this is true. I am published. Yeah. You gotta, you know, you gotta get out there and do book signings more often in the, in the lobby. Yeah. I do that. I well, do. Actually, they probably, I would say going into your lobby, they probably think you're the bellhop. They're like, oh gosh, my luggage is in the car still. <laughs> so for uh, for for new shops, right? For guys that are just getting started out and they're hearing this and they're thinking, you know, because you know, let's let's be honest. There's been some 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 good insights dropped in here today already, and and it's really a different, uh, uh, you know, a change in in how I think about the position even and what they should be focused on. So for a new shop owner, new to Auto Vitals, wants to implement some of these best practices, what would you say, uh, Frank, is where, where should they start monitoring, right? From a KPI perspective, what's important to, to, to observe so that you know that your service advisors are on that path to success? That's good. So um, inspection rate and inspection sent rate and motorist um, viewing, what do we call that? Motorist research time, research time, right? Yeah. So, and because without those three, there is no sale. Yeah. <laughs> right. And real quick. So when we first started with auto vitals, you know, Hey guys, we're going to send every one of these inspections to the customer. You got a boss. I'm your guy. I'm going to do it. I'd run the report. And it's like 26%. <laughs> no, that can't be right. I know I sent more than that. Then the next one was 30, then 40 to 50, 60. So we're up over 96, 97% pretty consistently. And, Every car gets inspection. Every discovery gets estimated. Every estimate gets presented to the motorist. If you don't do that, you're opening yourself up to problems and disappointments. And those are the things that we measure consistently. Yeah, so that's a, I mean, that's a pretty straightforward recipe to success right there. I mean, at least from a, 
from you know the implementation perspective right the baby steps getting it started and building the habits to get them onto the right track because then after that you kind of lean back and look at your top line metrics and drill down when you have to to see if there's any of those you know areas where performance might be slipping uh, across those best practices right um so russ i mean is similar in your shop i mean you're using the bcp obviously it sounds like you you use it quite regularly in the team meetings and planning uh but what about sit from a goal perspective how can i go in there and set some goals initially for a new guy that says hey you know we're goal oriented and you know goals are challenging but they're not impossible and you and you don't you don't scare them off or or overwhelm them so when you're talking to your writers and you're setting these goals you know make sure that you you listen let them let them tell you what the goal what, what their goals are because sometimes you might surprise yourself you know it, it, there may be just something that needs to get tweaked here or there then all of a sudden they're exceeding what your expectations were. So make sure when you sit down and you're setting goals, listen to what they want too, see what they say and use that as good input. You know, another thing is take that input. And um, when you're, when you're talking to your auto vitals coach, if you're an ATI client or whatever, whatever you are uh, or whoever you're talking to have them look at those goals too. work, work on it as a team, talk to another shop that, uh, that you see is uh, is successful. We're a huge network of um, of garages out there, and you know we could work together to set goals. But when you're working with your writers, make sure you're listening to what they are saying. Um, it's it's huge. And those team meetings that you're having, if you're not having them, make sure you have them. Um, we sit down every Wednesday, um, and we we go over the BCP. We look at the goals that we've set, and I you know I do that even with my technicians also. Um, and I, I say, okay, well, we slipped here a little bit, but we did really good here. What changed last week? And um, when you're doing that every week, it's a lot, a lot less likely to, uh, to lose track of your goals and you can stay focused. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really, I mean, the straightest path, straightest path, path to success. Oh, looks like I had some construction. We're doing some remodeling on the uh, mobile digital shop talk radio studio. So <laughs> sorry about that background noise. But um but really, if you, you know, set the goals, give them the tools and the, and the transparency and the understanding on how to get there and then kind of get out of the way. Right. And then if you look at it from a performance perspective, I'm looking at those top line metrics. You don't have to have your thumb on them. Just like you said, and just like what Frank said, brilliant, right, is do not undermine your staff. Pull them to the side after the fact. You're not going to fix that. Whatever happened anyway, you can only, you know, um, you know, kind of apologize and rebuild that bridge. And that's tomorrow. And, and pull them aside and re-manage re those expectations and then let them go out there and do it. You do it with your kids. Can you imagine if you moved your kids' feet all the time, they'd never learn to walk. You got to let them, you got to trust them. You hired them, let them, let them fly, <laughs> is, what, is what I would say. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, Tom, because and, and a lot of people get hung up on that. And I need to trust you to do the job I've hired you to do, period. And if I measure it, it's not emotional. When it's emotional, it's like, we're not sending out any inspections. Well, if we got a 50% inspection sent rate, that's an exaggeration, right? So now you can narrow it down. Who's not sending them? What's going on? We agreed we're gonna do this. What happened? And, and I read something today um, in one of my inspirational quotes. If you want to do it, 
you'll find a way. If you don't want to do it, you'll find an excuse. Mm -hmm. Right? And that really sums it up. So when you're asking somebody and you're having these discussions, that triggered something in me. Now it's like, oh, wait a minute. We talked about this a couple of days ago and you're telling me all the reasons why you couldn't do it, why it didn't happen. So now I know if you wanted to do this, you would have found a way. That was that. So I, that's, I, that's, I mean, that's brilliant. Go ahead, Russ, go ahead. I just, similar to what Frank just said, I was listening to a podcast actually from Joe Rogan, whether you like him or not. But he was talking about when he was in school and he was basically flunking out of college. And um, he said, you know, he didn't really get involved with his class until he was trying to prove a point wrong. So like if you have somebody that's coming up with all these excuses of why you can't do it, or if they're challenging you, you know, talk to them about how come they can challenge you on this specific item, but they can't rise to the occasion on something else that you're asking them to do. What, what am I missing as an owner or how can I help you achieve those goals? So it was pretty like when he said that, I was like, that totally makes sense. Cause I know, I mean, I've done that in the past where, you know, I, if you slack off, you're just looking for that one chance to prove a point. Um, well, how come you can put the effort in then and not now? Good. Yeah. His shoe goes right on the other foot. Hold them accountable. So, no, that's that's fantastic. Listen, I know we got a hard break today. Uh, Frankie's got to go out there and, uh, you know, continue saving the world. Russ has to do the same. I think, actually, Russ has to go out there and repopulate the world from the way Russ going. Congratulations. <laughs> Russ has a new baby expected here in a couple weeks. So, you know, Thank building you. the family. I think he's building a network of shops out there just to house all those children that he's uh, churning out. You Amish or something, by the way? Um <laughs> <laughs> with a beard you might think so <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, but uh what i want to do is let's continue this discussion ask those questions if you're new to auto vitals hey you're new to shops in general you got two guys right here on facebook is where you catch them ask those questions and we'd like to have them back on and follow up and maybe we'll take a lot of those questions and concerns and and uh input that you all have and then we'll do another show on it here in a couple weeks where we can uh give some more insight and some help and then, of course, you boys got a great forum right there in Facebook to ask direct questions and look for help from from other shop owners that are uh, peers of yours and right in the same boat. So uh, let's continue that discussion on Facebook. Uh, I want to, again, thank you guys. Uh, really appreciate you coming out. I mean, it's a fantastic show, uh, I think, from uh, just I, I mean, I learned stuff and that's uh, I'm an old dog. Thank you very much for having me. Always, man. You're always welcome. Frankie, you too, buddy. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, guys. Nice, Russ, nice to meet you. Yep. yep. You too, Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Yep. So until next uh, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 uh, p.m. Eastern, Digital Shop Talk Radio. We're going to be talking to um, – we've got a great show next week also. Uh, Jennifer Grady. Am I getting the name right, Dustin? You got it, Tom. Jennifer Grady's coming in. She's a, she's a lawyer, grew up from an auto repair family. So she's got a lot of good insight on liability issues. And we're going to be talking about uh, some of that stuff from digital inspection perspective and, and just the law. So tune in next Wednesday. Uh, until then, get out there and make some money. We'll talk to you then.